Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is my great pleasure to be with you. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. There is Director Matthew. Find me on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. And if you're watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe in order to help others find programming such as this. Wow, what a what a productive fun weekend. All right, let's get to a lot of fun, uh, obviously for uh, for all of us as Knowles uh, to see the way the weekend uh, played out. Let's go through and kind of start with the good stuff, which is um, on the diamond for both softball and baseball. Obviously, a fruitful, successful. Joyous weekend as uh, the baseball team takes two of three for Miami. Does so in gutsy fashion. More on that in a moment. The Knowles are hosting a regional. That's not a surprise. They win the ACC back to being ACC champions yet again. That's seven of the last eight years. They are the national two seed. And uh, no surprise, they will host uh, the tournament here, Tallahassee Regional. Um Starting Friday, right? Starting Friday. So that's exciting. Uh, they'll welcome in Mississippi State. They'll bring in South Florida and Howard all coming to Tallahassee. Uh, so obviously, you know, there's certain assumptions we make about the Knowles softball team. And what Lonnie's done with this program is uh, a level of consistency in which those assumptions can easily be made. And that's a good p- place to be in. It used to be that way many moons ago with football where you just kind of well, yep, they won again, won again. The softball team has risen to a, a status that basically sees us perhaps take for granted ACC championships and successful seasons as a given. And instead, hyper-focusing on how many national championships can you bring home. We all celebrated the national championship when they achieved it, and I think it left us wanting more, uh, knowing there's a behemoth like Oklahoma, who shockingly lost over the weekend to Oklahoma State, uh, that's out there lurking. Uh, you know, it's, it, it makes it fun. You want to know, can this be the team? Because I think when we talk about consistency of programs, um, Florida State has earned the right uh, for those who call themselves softball fans. I'm just talking about the sport of softball, not just Florida State fans. But, it, you know, that's a sport that has grown in popularity and continues to grow in popularity, and that's exciting. But I think if you're a softball fan, You've recognized now that there is this behemoth, this juggernaut uh, in Oklahoma, but not far behind them are teams like Florida State and UCLA and some others. I mean, where you just, you know, oh, well, they're going to be in it. They're, when it comes down to it, when when the uh, when the tournament begins to win the national championship, you're going to have to count on uh, Florida State and a couple of others in that same realm that have had the kind of consistency that Florida State has had. Um, and that's that's to be celebrated and to be appreciated, and that's where this program's at. So it comes as no surprise they went up to Pittsburgh and and won it. Had to come from behind, which is cool. Um, they were cha- challenged, but you know this is the other part of the the assumption. Tom is uh, I never thought they were going to lose because they've come back so many times. Yeah, and if it's tied late, you expect them to be the one to make the play on yeah. the, you know on defense and come up with the big hit, the big situational at bat, whatever it is, and and they believe it. That's the way they carry themselves. There's never any doubt. You can tell. And, you know, it's not just a, a softball-specific thing. It's a Florida State softball-specific thing where you see in the face of unbelievable 
drama, adversity, whatever. They're just laughing like it's a Tuesday practice. Yeah, it's, it's good you bring this up because we've talked about it before, and I want to bring it up again here. They have so much fun. It's infectious. They're really a, a team that's easy to root for, not just because they don the garnet and gold. I really think that when you know I, I root for Florida State across all things, uh, there are some programs that you just root for because they don the garnet and gold and were Knowles, so you want them to do well. And they don't give you many other reasons beyond their Knowles. And then there are the programs like this one where they're great. They play with an, uh, an air of confidence and belief that's fun to watch. Uh, it's, it's the good kind of arrogance that uh, competent, strong, smart, athletic teams possess. Uh, successful programs beget successful season after successful season. And with that comes an air of confidence uh, that as they step onto the field, you sense. So that's a, that's a good thing. They have that. But there's a joy for the game and a joy in playing the game and succeeding in those moments and cheering for one another and a belief in program and culture. It, they exude that on the diamond, and that's why they're an awful lot of fun to watch. So I just can't say enough about them. Uh, it's taken a lot for me to arrive at a place where that's appointment television. I, I, I don't hide the fact that for years I really just didn't mention the softball program because I found softball boring. It just didn't interest me. The game itself uh, didn't interest me. It's made, I think, the most drastic uh, shift in athleticism and stylistic um, approach to the game of any sport that I've ever covered. You know, but all the years being on the air here, there aren't too many sports that went from uh, utterly unwatchable to can't wait to sit down and watch this team play. I mean, I can't say that about too many sports, period. It could be any sport. Like, I, if you feel... I, I, name a sport. I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Like if 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 there's a guy out there or a, or a gal out there who doesn't like tennis. Let's just say tennis, right? Just doesn't like it. Professional, otherwise, just doesn't do anything for him. I can't sit for four hours and watch this match. Just doesn't do it for me. And you felt that strongly about it, right? I don't feel that way. I like tennis, but anyhow, that, that said, I've met plenty of people like I can't do it. It just bores me to tears. Can't do it. Fast forward like ten years later, and that same person's going, oh, "I'm not going to miss the first round of the Zurich." I mean, this is going to be great. Like that's stunning. That 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 doesn't that transformation doesn't typically happen. But that's what's happened for me when it comes to softball. And it's not just about me. I'm just saying. I, I think you see the ratings. That's happened for a lot of people. The sport's just better now. It's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, it's it's more appealing to the masses. Yeah. I mean, and that's why we didn't understand it about ten, eight, ten years ago when it was taking the place on ESPN, ESPN two. When there's you know regional play happening in college baseball. Yeah, you're like, and you're what saying, are they doing? Why is this on television? Mm -hmm. Get this off my television. Let's put some baseball on. And then you kind of get it. You see how it fits the, the culture that we live in, too, as well. well you're in and you're out. Yeah. If it's a well-pitched game, it's an hour, 45 minutes. Well, that helped. That helped. You, you don't have to invest five hours. Yeah. The ball is massive, so it's put in play more. <laughs> I think that that matters, too. There are some pitchers that are unhittable, and, and days, certainly we've had a few, where a pitcher is unhittable. But... There are also times where the ball is put in play a lot, and that's what you saw in the ACC tournament this weekend. FSU gave up 15 runs. Yeah. That's not exactly how you draw not a it recipe. Up. No, no, it's not. That's something that needs to be monitored for this regional weekend and then obviously the super regional weekend to come if we advance. But now you're in a position where my dream can come true. There's the weekend where the supers on the well, softball right. field and regionals at Hauser. The dream is within reach. It is, and that's because the baseball team bounces back after getting uh, a rough start. Uh, from their ace, uh, you know, you you typically 
feel like you can trust uh, on, a, on a given Friday night. I know the rains came and all that good stuff, but you kind of feel like, all right, Messick's going to be fine. I got no problems here. We're going to be all right. We may not win the game, but it won't, because, it won't be because of him or it won't be because he gets tattooed or doesn't pitch well. But he clearly didn't have his best stuff, and, and we lose. And now you're up against it because that's a really good Miami team, and you're thinking to yourself, mm, you know, you could very easily drop one of these two uh, that remain in the series and lose the series, and you have to win this series if you're vying for hosts. Um, if you're vying to be a host for a regional, and uh, you know how valuable the RPI would be with a win in this series, and you have some opportunities like the one tomorrow against Florida. You know, you know this, but only if you take care of business at home against this Miami team. And to their credit, they really did. They bounce back and they get that win, and then they get the win yesterday. And there you go, Ross Dunn. I, I just want to start there because this is a kid whose stuff I think is exceptional. And he's frustrated me in a lot of ways because the control hasn't been there. And then a lot of it looks like, and I can understand this, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling to control your pitches, you're not entirely certain where anything but the fastball is going, uh, it can shake your you know, shake you to your core, your confidence. And and so it gets between the ears. It starts being a mental thing. And with Ross Dunn this year, you know, he loses the Sunday spot. And that's frustrating because the stuff, it's always there. You saw it. We talked about it. You, you love that he had emerged and you thought, okay, we got three really good starters. Um, and he has a nasty set of pitches. And if he can control it like he did yesterday for five and a third and give up one run and look like that guy and get out of – a couple of jams, and pitch with great confidence and variety, well, then you have your three-starter. Then you have a guy that you can go to and trust in that role. Florida State still doesn't have a third pitcher that they trust. They've been wildly inconsistent. They've tried different people. They're just nobody has taken it. He lost it. He was the original guy to lose it. But the stuff has always been there. And they had to have it yesterday. That was a That's the dude I thought he was. At the start of this season. And that's the dude he should be. And in an incredibly intense, high leverage situation, when you have to have it and the game's on the line, that guy comes in and steadies the ship and shuts it down and gives you a chance to get your offense going. And Florida State has two big innings and, and comes through with that. And then obviously, uh, the way that game was closed, there was no doubt that's a 1-2-3 suck it. And, uh, you know, and listen... That's a good series win. That's a big series win for Florida State, dare I say. And the attitude stays ever-present. Oh! You saw after Hare struck out the yeah, final batter yeah. of the game, Look his, in their dugout. his first move was to stare into the Miami dugout. So, y yes, for the bullpen this weekend, if you count Ross Dunn as a bullpen arm, huge weekend after the Messick uh, issues of Game 1 on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because here's somebody... picked up there, uh, yeah. Well, I was picking on, and I, and I understand he, there were a couple of jams he had to get himself out of, but why Crowell... Was he somebody four plus three in. weeks in? I'm like, what? What are we doing here? Since then, he's been basically perfect because his ERA was, you know, in the teens. What it was huge, and now it's down under two. So you've got a long arm in him. If you can find another starter, maybe Ross Dunn is another long guy for you, but maybe he's your game three starter in, in a weekend setting. Uh, especially if he's in that kind of rhythm, he's your guy. Scalaro got us out of a jam earlier yesterday. I know, you know, it wasn't perfect, but he got us a, a huge out. Uh, in a big spot yesterday that preserved that game to be won later on. Hair looks good. If we can just finally put the nail in the coffin and convert uh, Montgomery this year to a back-of-the-bullpen arm, 
I think we'll be better off for that as well. Now you're starting to build options. Hubbard has been very good the last few weeks. Yeah. You're starting to see this whole thing come together a little bit. Well, the pitching, the starting pitching, the one-two punch of Hubbard and Mexican Hubbard is is one that you just trust. You believe in, you feel very good about. That's why you like Florida State in a series. That's why we're not a team you want to face. I mean, there may be better teams, and there are better teams in Florida State right now. But I dare say none of them, if they had their druthers, would be like, yeah, yeah, in a best two out of three, I, I want to see Florida State. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, because that kind of frontline pitching can win you two games very easily, and you don't even have to hit well. And you might win a game three to two, four to three, and and get out of there because that those kind of those arms travel. That's um, they're not a team you want to face. I remember there for so many years, Florida State was a top eight national seed. And you'd look at the numbers and you'd be like, look, this offense is one of the best in the country. They've got good frontline pitching. And then I would deep dive the possible teams that were going to come here for a regional or a super regional, right? And I remember I'd sit back and I'd look and I'd be like, all right, who, who do we best match up with? And you would look at the other top eight national seeds and you'd be like, okay, outside of that group, let's look at regionally what they're going to do. And there would always be a team that would jump off the page where you're like, hmm, I really don't want to see them. They're the 14th-ranked team in the country, and they've had an up-and-down season, but their top two starters are dominant. And, oh, by the way, they've got two bullpen arms that Major League Baseball projects to get drafted in the first three rounds. This is a problem because we may be better in a lot of facets of the game, but if they're dotting corners, it doesn't matter, man. It mitigates strength, and Florida State is that kind of team. Now, Am I telling you that the odds on favorite over Tennessee or anybody else to win a national championship? No, no, this is a flawed team. They've got a lot of problems, but they're able to overcome a lot of those problems with this pitching. And they've won some really big series against some really good teams. There's no getting around that. Yeah, the biggest hurdle for me, we could talk about Omaha later, but the biggest hurdle is the regional. If you can get through the regional, then you start to get nervous. At least I will. Yeah, because you like the scenario Yes. One other team are pitching your pitching. Okay, then dare to dream after that. Because if you get to Omaha and you win early, you get a break. And so you can just you can keep reloading with your frontline talent. Now it ends up hurting you in the best of three, which wouldn't it be crazy if we were having a discussion about the best of three at the end of this whole thing? But we I mean, if you get past a regional, it's not nuts. The bats are starting to come alive, too. Yeah, they're hitting better, and, and situationally, too. They've had some big at-bats, very quietly. You know, you think about something like Mike Martin Jr.'s kid. Uh, you know, Tyler, this is a kid that missed the bulk of the first half of the season with that shoulder. He's really frustrated. You really don't think that he's going to be able to contribute much in any way. And then the next thing you know, you're in a series like this, and you're like, oh, that kid's been up to bat ten times in this series, and he's reached base nine. And – there's a lot to those kinds of at-bats. First of all, you know, listen, he doesn't hit for power or anything like that. He's going to slap a single. He's going to get hit by a pitch. He's going to walk. He's got great command of the strike zone. But he's annoying. Like, if you're pitching against him, he's the most annoying guy on earth. Shinsu Chu has a role, a yes. big role. Yeah. Brandon Nimmo. There are plenty of guys. That's, that's all they do. It drives you nuts to pitch to him because they foul it off. They foul away your out pitch time and again. They force you. To throw strikes because their command of the strike zone is so good. So anything borderline, you're not going to lure them into swinging. Uh, you know, next, even if you get them, it's like this 10 to 13 pitch at bat where you're like, this 
this son of a bitch. I can't get this kid out. And and what's going to drive me nuts is that now project ahead to the fourth or fifth inning, and I'm sitting here at 68 pitches because I've had two ABs with this guy that took up 30 pitches. You know, that's that kind of stuff gets lost, and he provides that. Well, the other thing, too, is carry-on's been hitting. Well, I mean, right. It's But that is a revelation. If you ask that of any fan who's watched Florida State baseball six weeks ago, and they've seen the whole season, like, well, that kid won't do it for you. And now he's, a, you know, listen, again, he's not going to hit 20 home runs, but it's just a lot of these pieces are coming together. They still could fall flat on their face out of nowhere. We know it's all in them. Everything is in them, the great and the terrible and everything in yeah. between. And it's just a huge week now with Florida, who's also in around the same spot in the RPI. Uh, Boyd's World, I think they're at 18th or 19th. We're tied for 15th right now. So there's your opportunity. North Carolina's in the 20s. They were as high as about 15 this weekend, but then uh, they got spanked yesterday by Wake Forest. Um, so you've got opportunities again. If you could win three out of four this week, then you're almost a lock to host a regional, and that would be pretty cool. Well, I just think that it's a, a time right now to talk about the team and what they are or are not. Fresh off a series like this, you have to talk about how well they played and how they deserve our praise. I mean, that, that's there have been plenty of times where we could beat them up. Coming here on Monday where they don't pick up the baseball, perhaps don't run the bases real well have some troubles on the back end, you know, that they look like a terribly flawed team, and it's our time to point that out. But but this is a team right now off of that weekend and that series and the way they've played in some of the bigger series against teams that they needed to beat from an RPI standpoint, they really have stepped up, and you see the strengths of that of that baseball team. It was, a, it was a great weekend. I mean, very quiet, subtly, a great weekend. If you're a sports fan, you had Game 7s every which way to Sunday. Everywhere you looked, there's a Game 7, and it was glorious. And I, I really dig the NBA, so I'm sitting there – glued yesterday watching Luca, who is already great, transcend to this other assassin's role. It was unholy. Well, what happened in Phoenix just, was unholy. Well, but you love when you see players do that, man. We always root for guys to do that. And and there are any number of players over the years that we've we, they've taken that next step where you're like, oh, you're that guy. You're that guy. You want this more than anybody else out here, and you're equipped to do something about it. And you're a little angry. And you're going to tell them about it. You know, why do we love Jordan? I mean, Jordan not only transcended the game and was an all-time great, maybe the greatest player in the history of basketball. Sure, we can all have that discussion. But the other reason we loved him is that he was uncomfortably competitive. Like, if that's your dude, if that's your guy, you love him in an unhealthy way. Because that guy cares about winning that game more than you could ever imagine. And it plays itself out that way. And when a guy like that is on your team, you because fans always just want a guy to care as much as you care, right? And they'd love for you to really go out and earn it and do those things. And there have been a lot of guys in the history of the game. I'm not saying Lucas Jordan, but when you find a guy who's got a whole butt of, a bunch of come get you some and what for to back it up, and and then goes on the road and you know just like basically. It ain't happening for you all tonight. Home crowd's booing at halftime. Yeah, You're, You yeah. have as many points as the opposing team. Luca had as many points as Phoenix had. I'm laughing out loud at that guy. Also, prize picks, real quick. Thank you, prize picks. Man, that was the easiest money ever. I had my combo bet was Luca over 32, right? And DeAndre Ayton under 18 and a half. You knew sorry ass Ayton wasn't going to show up in this game. So I had Ayton way under, and he had played the role. And then Luca does what he does. Luca would have had sixty if they played him the whole game, but hell, they didn't need to. So it's a yeah. glorious thing. He's got rest for game one now <laughs> because of how bad game seven was. 
That's a series, by the way. That's a weird series and a tough one to predict. I. That's going to be fun. I. This is when you're when you're rooting for. Think about all the years we did this show together. Foregone conclusions, right? There were so many years where it was like, okay, well, Golden State's going to the finals. And if it wasn't Golden State, right, whoever right. LeBron played for was going to the finals. Uh, and it could be both of them, yeah. You know, yeah, when a lot LeBron of LeBron was in the East, yeah. Right. So it was kind of like we just kind of knew, you're like, yeah, what's the point? You have a long season like this, LeBron's going, and then for a stretch there, you're like, Golden State's going. Nothing against those guys are yeah, amazing. Or the Spurs. Right, but you're just kind of like, yeah, we know what's going on. How wild is this? I mean, you go back mid-season, you could have gotten – I mean, geez, the odds you could have had for the Dallas Mavericks to maybe go to the finals, 40 to 1? I mean, it's insane, right? Even still. What's interesting, and I'll confess to it, is uh, when you said this uh, series is going to be a good one, I asked Matthew, I said, Golden State, did they advance? <laughs> yeah. The fog of the hockey playoffs <laughs> in my house, the Stanley Cup playoffs, yeah. because it's alternating nights. Yeah. It's been every night. Well, that was my point about what a weekend, right? I mean, because oh, I also my. was as locked in as God. you were, and you know, the lightning can't go on, and and then Jamie's Rangers with the Game 7 last night. That atmosphere was amazing. Overtime. But, yeah. I mean, every night, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's I'm, been awesome. We're glad to have Monday where there's no Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, I love the playoffs, but yeah. you know what? Take a breather tonight. That's good. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, to to watch the intensity of, of, of playoff hockey, we've long, obviously, uh, championed. And, and for people who are kind of looking for to get into something, it, it will lure you in pretty easy. You can watch any Game 7 or any playoff hockey game, and you're like, oh, this is rather intense. Um, yeah, also of note, Turner Sports has been awesome. Yeah. They're, everything about their presentation. You know, you knew something was missing with NBC for all those years, and Turner just found whatever that is. So if you could catch a game, watch it on TNT or TBS, everybody. They do a fantastic job. It'll be if you don't like it the way they present it, you're just not going to like it. That's when you'll know. Yeah, fun weekend. We get the Knowles baseball team. We get the softball team. We get all the game sevens. We get the NBA playoffs. Track one, the ACC championship. Yep, track one again. Uh, Boston defeats the defending champions in Milwaukee in what was a brutal physical series and fun to watch as well. That was a Ruthless series. A lot of bodies flying all over the floor there. They were the opposite of James Harden. Uh, they all cared. All the people on both teams, Milwaukee and Boston, cared deeply about every possession. Whereas James just kind of floats around doing a whole lot of nothing and makes your team terrible. That's that's him. They're furious down in Miami uh, because the Panthers are playing the same day as the Heat. Uh, I think it's six out of seven potential games. Is that right? So yeah. Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So the only one that they have that's like spread out a little bit is Sunday at one thirty. The hockey plays. Kind of a good problem to have, though. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, they're Fairweather fans, anyway. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio at War Chat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
You know, it's funny, Tom, we were talking about it as sports fans right now, how fortunate we are to be able to all the Game 7s, the NHL, the NBA, what's going on. Of course, college baseball with Florida State this weekend, softball, um, everything that grabs our attention. And also, it's a major week. We, we, we're, oh, by the way. We're, oh, by the way, we're rolling into a major. Uh, good story today, too. It's last year at this time, right around this time, of course, we were getting ready to go over to St. Augustine and enjoy a concert and, uh, and have a blast and all that good stuff. And it was fun, but one of the things that delayed us from getting over to the amphitheater there in St. Augustine was we were watching uh, the PGA Championship, and we were watching Phil Mickelson win at Keough Island and, uh, and at the age of 50 become the oldest major champion and all that, the things that you just never thought you'd see, right, him one more time. And when he walked off that course, um, you could have never known, fast forward a year later, where we would be with this guy. As um, oh yeah, and the, the way you said that with this guy, well, he is now kind of persona non grata. I mean, th- this is uh, and you know he withdrew over the weekend from defending his title. That's insane. I mean, th- think about that. Yeah, not from injury, but because he fancies himself smarter than he is, said and did desperate, dumb things, and it's been exposed. And I, I'm going to read the Alan Mushnick book, but I, I mean, there's so many good and bad things in that book from what I can tell from the excerpts. Uh, comes out tomorrow. Uh, not that I'm his publicist, but that's going to be a fascinating read. Uh, you could be. I could be, but I mean, I think more than anything, what we, we've come to realize uh, beyond obviously jumping in bed with the Saudis, uh, that he uh, is desperate for money. And you know, you when you when you begin to figure out that he owed in the neighborhood or lost in the neighborhood of forty million dollars in debts, in gambling debts, uh, and that's just what we know from from right. a given year. Oof. Well, consider, remember, there was a period about two years ago when he became a bit of a shtick, like more than you know, he was always one on Twitter, and he got that, like he understands how to use social oh, media. Oh, he's in- Incredibly charismatic. But wearing the aviators and then dropping a Yeti next to where he's putting with his coffee. Yeah. Like, that tells you all you need to know about... He was selling. Yes. Yeah, yes. he was selling hard. That was not because he was trying to make his next wing of his fortune. It was he's trying to pay some stuff off. This is the best way to do it. How about some product placement? Well, I just think it's weird, though, that for a guy who needed the money, and clearly needed the money, that you would take the action you did, which now ensured you of uh, having been dropped by all your sponsors. Which is what happened. KPMG and all of them. Right. Work, work right. day. All yeah, of them. no matter how much you can make off live. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. They all, all of those places said, no, thanks. You, you can't sell what we need you to sell. Integrity. <laughs> Correct. Because we don't have it. Well, I mean, you, yeah, uh, there it is. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It, it's what? <laughs> the beer commercial, which was awesome, but, you know, Lefty's just sitting in the woods. It was funny. Like, this is all, like, this is him trying to make every last dollar. But, again, how short-sighted, man, because those commercials were awesome they because were. he's funny. And we got a glimpse of how great he was going to be in the booth when he's just tearing apart Nick Faldo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just under- who, who doesn't understand humor, which is just strange. And he was reeling. I mean, he was getting crushed. Yeah. And it was hurting him. And you were like, this is uncomfortable. Like, My man, how do you come from the land of sarcasm and you don't understand what it is? 
but he's just got an extra sharp needle, does Phil, and he's good at it. And remember when he killed Kuchar on his way up to driving up there to uh, Magnolia Lane for the uh, oh, for yeah. not paying the caddy yep. in Mexico? Yep. That was awesome. <laughs> well, then he engaged people last year. It yeah. was in the winter about um, was it vaccines or something? It was something to do with the pandemic. And he's like, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Because he was trying to get his numbers up for the PGA Tour right. social media reach, that fund. Oh, yeah. No, it he, was all a ruse. He didn't care what people thought. Yeah, it was he, just he to he get won, the engagement yeah. up. Well, he wanted the money, yeah. Because you win. He finished second, and then Tiger crushed him. <laughs> well, and- yeah. With one day. <laughs> oh, man. I saw on Warchant.com where Corey Clark had the difficulty and the tough task of uh, evaluating FSU's wide receivers entering the summer. That's been posted today. I thought, boy, I do not envy that assignment. Iris Chaffel, also of Warchant, will join us next hour. We'll get caught up with him, but he talks about the postseason uh, boon that was the weekend for Florida State, obviously, in winning there. And, oh, by the way, FSU women's sports teams ranked number one in the Capital One Cup standings. That's good. So a lot of stuff going on over at Warchant.com, including what I think today will be a video um, about the transfer portal, although I don't know... Okay. I don't know where we're, where we're going with the transfer portal today. I think we're hoping for a unicorn to emerge from the transfer portal or into, depending upon, how I guess, what perspective you have. Somebody who has not yet entered but will graduate and fit the exact profile that we need. So I will, I will ask you this. You did uh, do the Sunday Smash last right. night. Smash it. You and uh, Ira, I believe it was, and I think you got a visit from uh, Michael Langston. We did indeed to talk about uh, the transfer portal for the spring and summer. And uh, what is the takeaway from Michael uh, uh, regarding current targets? Because I did, I missed the Sunday Smash last night, forgive me. So, well, this is interesting because Ira heard something similar as well over at Amelia Island as he was doing some mining for FSU-specific information. It's not a certainty that they're going to take four or five players out of the portal because they're not really in love with the crop that's out there. I get it. So it's more likely that they might go one or two and then elevate a couple of guys up that might not be on scholarship yet but have played well in spring and and were contributors. There's one obvious example, and that would be C.J. Campbell, the running back, but I, I don't know. I don't know who they would award that to while also keeping an eye on the portal in case there is a new graduate who enters and has immediate eligibility to play one year and fits the profile of what we need. But that was fascinating to me because for weeks we were openly speculating and expecting Florida State to go three or four deep at minimum in the portal, and now the crop is so light and thin, at least at this point, that it might only be one or two players. Interesting. Well, it's frustrating is what it is, Tom, because that means that there aren't players that fit the roles that we need filled, and not you don't want to fall into the trap of giving people a scholarship for the sake of giving somebody a scholarship because you have it available. You know, you don't want to just take people to take them. They've got to be able to play. Now, I thought they made that mistake in a couple of areas. Cushney uh, being one I've talked about. There have been a couple of guys that they brought in that you're kind of like, hmm, really don't know what they saw in the evaluation process that suggested that guy was going to come in here and contribute. And more often than not, they deserve the kudos that we give them for having hit home runs in the portal and uh, identifying talent that, that you think can help you down the line, even for a singular year, but sometimes multiple seasons. That's great. But they have whiffed on a couple, and, and I, don't, I don't want them to make that mistake. You know, you want to you have the availability to you. If, if, they're, if a guy does come available and you suddenly surprised by that, you can go get him and maybe still have room for more. 
Um, you can do that only if you're not just taking guys to take guys. You know, you're not just it's not just a numbers deal. So the specific names are defensive back Josh Newton from ULM that mm-hmm. the staff really likes. They think his skill set plays immediately. Uh, and then for what it's worth, both Ira and Michael like the interactions uh, and, and the maturity that he's approaching this process with. They think he would be a good culture fit. Uh, but that's the strongest interest, it would seem, right now between coaching staff and a potential prospect. And then the other one, which we know and we've talked a little bit about in the last couple of weeks, is uh, Dimitri Emanuel, the offensive lineman from Charlotte. I um, like him. I would take him. Uh, of the guys that I've heard about, he's one that I think can help you from a depth standpoint. Uh, I think there's a chance that you could bring him in, and, and that would be a an upgrade of depth. Yeah, this is uh, where I, I just completely trust Alex Atkins. If if it's not a take, then there's a reason, and he knows it better than anybody. It's, it's a position that he coaches on a team that he used to be the offensive coordinator for, so he's going to know. And if, and if this kid is a take, then I fully trust Alex Atkins then as well. Whatever we decide to do is the right pick because you, you rarely have a situation where you're this familiar with a transfer prospect. When you look at his film, he's a guy that you think can play, and and I don't know that I'm saying he can you know he can play at an elite level. Certainly not that, but he's a guy that uh, makes your room better. That's not a deep room. That's not a room filled with guys you know brimming with talent on the cusp of saving the day. Uh, I think you got you know Bless Harris turned out to be a guy that I think originally they wanted to bring in for depth purposes. I now am under the impression that Bless Harris is going to probably start. And when you look at what that does from a depth standpoint, you realize you could use more. You could use more. Uh, somebody who's perhaps better than Lloyd Willis, uh, but maybe not good enough to crack your starting lineup. Yeah, and, and if you just look at this kid's pro football focus numbers, because we can't, I mean, I'm not going to go watch every snap of Charlotte no. football. I'm sorry. Uh, it says that, I'm not sorry, really. Pass protection is his game more than run blocking. So we've had, you know, ups and downs with guys who can do one but not the other but you see some yellows and greens which is good usually we're seeing oranges and reds here in tallahassee uh and there's a couple of power five games there had an ugly one against illinois played well against duke i don't know if it if alex atkins believes he's the guy then that's fine he's a guy who can come in here and help yeah it's just it's just a depth piece i'm not saying that guy comes in here and does anything great for us It, it doesn't change who we are other than it gives you the ability to withstand some um some some depth issues. If you end up having, uh, you know, a guy go down for a quarter, or a half, a game, you don't have to lose. <laughs> it seems like with Florida State, we lose a guy for a game or two, and it's like, whoa, the difference between the starter and the backup is sizable. Let's mitigate that. Let's find a guy that can come in here and give you some serviceable reps where you're not destined to lose the game because your starter went down. Right. You have a kid like this. Uh, Schrader gets healthier. SDs might be able to help you in an emergency mm. pinch. If Maury Smith somehow showed up to fall camp at a 290. Lot bigger, a lot bigger. Even 290. I think we'd be pretty excited about that. And if Lyles ends up being your starting center, then you might have a, a collection. Because I didn't even mention Darius Washington, and, and he'll be in that mix as well. You got a collection of maybe seven or eight. If you bring in the Charlotte transfer or another guy like him. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be happy with seven. That'd, that'd be a good number. Um, I'd love more, but... I don't think we're in a position to do that. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Orchid TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Orchid TV. Good to be with you on a Monday. Hope you're well. Hope you had a great weekend. 
It was a fun weekend. Uh, when things work out in your favor like they did for the Tampa Bay Lightning yet again, series after series. I mean, I guess if you don't want it, Toronto, I mean, we'll take it. Well, they wanted it. They just weren't men enough to take it. But, you know, that's, that's uh, it's a beautiful thing. But it's also fun to watch the other games in which you're not participating. The intensity is still there. Then you see the series against Miami for Florida State, the bounce back, winning games two and three of that series to take it. And, uh, of course, the expected victory that takes place with softball. It was a, a lot of reasons to smile. You know, the Luka performance with Dallas was a lot of fun to watch. Watching that Boston-Milwaukee series was a war. It looked like Milwaukee ran out of gas in the game yesterday. I think they... I think they. I'm pretty sure that uh, the Greek freak ran out of gas. He looked like a guy um, burdened by a lot of games played in which he's had to carry his team. Uh, he's missing layups. I was like, okay, we got, we got. And plus, Boston's really good defensively. Four, please, on the tee, <laughs> Austin Matthews. Yeah, man, that is. Uh, you know what's funny is this doesn't have to center around hockey to be a subject. We've witnessed, I, I think this is, uh, there are parallels here. What Toronto achieved in the regular season was impressive, and certainly Austin Matthews, you think about, really, there's a core of three guys there that are all really good that you're like, okay, that, that should translate to a series win at some point. At least one. At some point, right? And when it doesn't happen, you're reminded of the weight of expectations and how they grow over time. If you stumble along the way, if you don't take care of business in a series that you have one, I'm not talking about this one. I'm just talking about Toronto's grand failures on top of each other and the weight of a country and all of that that has happened with, obviously, teams from Canada not winning and then, of course, Toronto themselves very specifically uh, not winning, you know, because Montreal goes all the way to the finals, and you know Toronto can't get out of the first round. So there's a very specific weight yeah. to that. You, you know, FSU baseball. We've walked into Hauser before and felt it in the air. That sense of oh, you've sure. got to overcome not just the team across from you, but the weight of expectations and previous failures. And I thought, you know, by the time you get to the second period of Game Seven, and Toronto's down one to nothing, you're like. It's in the air. It's it's everybody looking at one another. Well, it's a really strange franchise because Toronto is the Yankees in terms of media attention, but then they're kind of like the Mets in terms of their achievement level. And yet, because there's only one team in that town. So there isn't that, like, Montreal is the Yankees. Montreal has won 24 cups, oh, I think yeah, it is. They go on I mean, it's an days, absurd yeah. amount of cups. Right. Toronto is the media capital of the hockey world. The league office, yeah. the the Hall it's of an Fame. Awesome city too, by the way. If you've never been, it's great. I've only been to the airport. Yeah, I've it's never awesome. got. Is it's a it? great city? Yeah. And they're like kind of like the Mets, so it's really weird because they all expect when they come down and the, and they come down in droves to Tampa in the winter. So I've sat next to Toronto fans for decades, right? And they're all defeatists, and they're usually right. Well, it's crazy. They have no reason not to be defeatist at this point. Is that's what's what they've known? Uh, they've watched really good teams come up short. And they've in spectacular fashion. They've blown a four to one lead. They've blown, I mean, in a game seven. They've and they've had a lot of ways in which they've collapsed. And you're going. That's why if you watched over the weekend, we both did. Obviously, the 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 five on three that tied it at three that sent it to overtime. I think you could pinpoint that's the moment they lost the series. Like because okay, so they give up the subsequent goal to point in overtime. They lose that game. You you well yeah. So yeah. if you think about it, like that moment, they've got this one. 
that moment where we tie it up and then force the overtime and win the game, they lost the series when they blew the lead late in Game 6. Yeah, the funny thing, so for Tampa, you've only faced elimination one time in, in two cup runs before Game 6 against Toronto, and it was Game 7 against the Islanders last year. Yeah. As a Lightning fan, I had forgotten what it was like to have a goalie take a game away from you. Oh, just and, take it. And, and Campbell did that a couple times in the series, especially in the third periods where, where you're just, you know, hammering away and he will make the big save. Well, if I'm Toronto, there's two things that I'm pissed about. Number one is that five on three. And then number two is that after that point, 88 for Tampa was the best player in the series. Yeah. Because they had a ton of chances in overtime, a ton of them. And then they had a, a, the second goal for Tampa is on the heels of a five-star save that nobody will replay because right. they're all focused on the goal. So it's just <laughs> and they gotta it's unfortunate. Be, and if you're Toronto, you want insult to injury. You're like, Paul scored two playoff goals in his career. Both of them tonight, huh? Right. <laughs> he was in, well, you know, and and this is really inside. This is inside baseball I for mean, hockey. That'll hurt your feelings. He's an Ottawa Senator. Yeah, but he's I mean, like he's the, the crappy team that's right up the road in Ontario. You gotta be like, really? This uh, Ottawa guy? And that second goal was spectacular. They're like, well. Also, uh, the Lightning have more playoff victories in Toronto than the Maple Leafs do in the last twenty years <laughs> because the bubble was there. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Oh, man. But I, I like the mentality that's on display. When we're talking about the bigger picture stuff that it's not hockey-related. So, like, I'll bring it back to basketball with Luca. So you see that with certain guys, right? Uh, he averaged 32.6 points, 9.9 boards, and 7 assists in the 7 games. If you go back to when we first started touting that guy as a stone-cold killer... If you can remember when it was, it was when he scored 46 going head-to-head with Kawhi Leonard in a Game 7. And you're like, oh, you're going to drop 46 and 10. Okay, with seven assists. Like, that's a, du- that's a dude. You know, and, and laughing about it the whole time. There's an extra level of insult to the way he does it. There's malice. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of, you can't, you're powerless to do anything about it. You're, I mean, he's that kind of strong. Um. It's weird. The 60 combined, I looked at this this morning. The 60 combined points the Suns lost game six and seven by represented the largest score difference over game six and seven of a playoff series going back to 1962. Good God, man. Just fall on your face. Just fall on 60 your- years. 1962. Hell, the sport looked like in 1962. Well, I can tell you it was the Warriors defeating the St. Louis Bombers. <laughs> <laughs> the Bombers? The Bombers. That's what it looked like. Got to find that logo. Over the final two games, that according to ESPN stats and information. Yeah, man, that is uh, that's doing some things. It's crazy. But I, I mentioned that game seven loss last season against the Clippers, 46-14. and 14. Uh, He had 33-11 and eight and four steals when they faced elimination in, the, in, in game six. 33, 11, and 8, and four steals. And then turned around in this game and obviously could have probably named his total given that he had as many points at halftime as Phoenix did. Boy, the St. Louis Bombers logo. Is it awesome? No. no. It might be one of the worst logos of all time. It, it We'll pull it up in a second, Matthew, if you can do the screen share in a minute. But uh, I've, it is the most basic-looking thing you've ever seen. It's like an 8-year-old's custom T-shirt. That's what they were rocking back in 1960. Well, we're about to see it on the uh, chat here. There are the St. Louis Bombers. 
Whatever you do, it's <laughs> just pretty straightforward. <laughs> the O is a bomb. Yeah. That's not, yeah, I don't know if that's yeah, the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> the O is a bomb and it's going in the hoop. Oh, look it looks like a, something a bowling team would wear. Yeah, we should have a bowling team and just arbitrarily call it the St. Louis Bombers and have that be the logo. <laughs> Where you rock that shirt, I rock that shirt. None of us are rocking those shorts. No, Goodness no, absolutely gracious, not. Guys. So they were in the, the burnt orange shorts you know, I all understand. the way up? Well, here's what I, I, I've never understood. Oh, my. You saw it in the late 70s, early 80s as well. I just don't know where and how it happened because I don't care the era. I know styles change and they circle back around, but at no point would a man be comfortable standing that closely to another man wearing shorts like that. You would just, dude. I'm telling you, they're coming back. Well, it's, I've seen the frat boys, but what I'm saying is, honestly, I, I'm telling you, I, I did some photo work for the spring camp in review. I was like, what in the hell? They're making a return, like our football players this past spring. A couple of them wearing shorts. That ho aren't. pants, <laughs> straight up ho pants. Get it together, everybody. Nobody needs that. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.